Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I'm your man Aisham here with my handsome side coast, side coast, side co-host. co-host. <laughs> yeah, Tanner, Tanner Santucci. And in the building today, Jesse, my man Jesse Stan, full metal Jesse. How you doing, bro? <laughs> Aisham, if I was any, if I was any better, I'd be you, baby. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. You guys, man. You guys are awesome. <laughs> honored to have you bro and so guys jesse was like when when tanner and i sat down and thought about this podcast literally so the 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 whole crux of this podcast and hopefully uh you guys will come to learn this over time is mindset right you know we're gonna talk strategy we're gonna talk all this stuff uh we're gonna talk theory but just to get into the mindset because you know you know, I, I hate to keep referring to this, but when I got my first deal, I feel like I got it so quickly just because of my mindset. You know, I had worked on that for years prior. And so when I when we thought about this podcast, the first person that came to mind was my man, Jesse Stanton, not only because he probably lives the closest to me out of any other human <laughs> that I'm in the real estate world with, um, but nonetheless, Jesse, glad to have you, brother. Bro, I, I was the only other option in Alaska, man. There's only two of us living here. So it was like, well... Jesse, by default, whether we want him or not, <laughs> you're coming on. <laughs> well, Jesse, man, tell us a little, bit, you know, a little bit about your background, and uh, then we'll dive into your story. Yeah, no, awesome, sounds good. Again, thank you guys so much for having me. This is um, this is absolutely phenomenal. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm very grateful for it. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Southeast Idaho. Um, I usually don't advertise that, so just keep that between us gals. <laughs> like five, five minutes later, dude. Like most people are like, "Where are you from again?" Like Iowa or. Ohio or something <laughs> like, and obviously, frankly, like both of those sound better than Idaho. So I, right. I let it slide. Um, but I grew up in Idaho. I joined the military when I was 18 years old. I uh, was in the air force for about 13 years, got out and, and started pursuing real estate. Um, it's been just an absolutely amazing journey. Um, I, uh, I had a childhood friend reach out to me maybe like two and a half, almost three years ago or so now, maybe. And he, we're, we're just kind of getting reconnected over Facebook. We both grew up in Ryrie, Idaho together. And we're just kind of doing that whole like, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, hey, Jesse, have you ever thought about getting into real estate? And I was like, yeah, sure. I thought about, uh, you know, getting my realtor's license a few years ago when I lived in Phoenix. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm not talking about being a realtor. He's like, I'm talking about being an investor. And I kind of gave him this long, drawn-out, sarcastic, oh, why didn't you say so? Because, <laughs> you know, most people who don't know, um, uh, Alaska is expensive. Alaska oh, yeah. is really expensive. It's not California expensive, not yet, but it's it's up there, man. It is super spendy. And so I remember when he, he was telling me that, I'm thinking like, dude, like, you know, I, I was in the military at the time, and he, uh, I told him, I said, you know, that, that'd be great. I'd love to be an investor, bro. But a, a fourplex in Anchorage is, you know, easy half a mil, you know, then 20% down after that. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know if you know anything <laughs> about people being in the military, bro. But, uh, you know, it's not like I exactly have just a hundred thousand dollars burning a hole in my pocket so I can go put money down on a fourplex. And, uh, and he's like, no, no. He's like, you know what? I got a, I got a meeting with some, some other investors later in the week. How about you jump on and just kind of be a fly on the wall? said, okay, beam me up, Scotty. Twist my arm, right? <laughs> so I jumped, Tanner, if I'm being just totally transparent with you guys, I didn't even want to go. Like, I, I, I didn't want it to be weird if I right. didn't show up, especially after sure. we kind of rekindled that friendship. 
So I just showed up reluctantly. I turned my camera off, turned my, you know, my thing was on mute and I'm just kind of playing games on my phone, half-ass listening. And um, they start talking about buying real estate, leveraging other people's money, other people's debt, other people's credit. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hey, hold on a second. (laughs) So I stopped playing my game. I turned the camera back on and I'm just kind of sitting there listening now. And that's what started the entire rabbit hole, man. I was like, wow, this is incredible. There is something to this. There is something here. You know, one of the other guys who was uh, leading it, he looked to be about my age. And um, anyway, that's kind of what started that whole rabbit hole, man. And, and uh, anyway, yeah, so I just jumped into, jumped into real estate, and, and it's been just an amazing experience ever since, man. And how long ago was this? This was uh, almost three years ago, probably. Okay, wow. So you're in the Air Force, right? Or you were in the military. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and interesting. So where, I mean, were, were, you, were you really looking for something to take you to the next level financially at the time? Or were you like, were you, were you a go-getter or were you just kind of cool with with sticking your military term out or what what was your, what was your mindset around then? Oh, great question, bro. Great question. I think like most people, cause I was in it, um, at the time, I think I was at 11, 11 years or 12 years or something like that. And, you know, I was raised in a, a household that was just average. Okay. I went to an average school. I had average friends. Um, I had average grades. I was just Rich. completely average. So when it came to, you know, um, like, like money, the word money was something that was very private. I grew up in a household thinking like the word money, like was almost treated like a four letter word. Sure. You know, it was almost like a cuss word. Like we don't talk about money. We don't say about (laughs) anything about money. We don't talk about money. You know, we don't do anything with money. And so outside of just, um, you know, my mom showing me how to budget, I had a very scarcity mindset when it came to money. My first instinct is to always either to go get a job, to go to school, to save my initial, if I needed more money, my initial reaction would be, Oh, well, I just need to cut back. I need to live a simpler life. If I, if I need to be able to put money into savings and, you know, over the, over the, the last couple of years of, of investing and learning about money and debt and all these other kind of things, changing your mindset. One thing I've learned is it's way easier. It's 10 times easier, a hundred times easier to go make go make an extra thousand bucks a month than it is to save an extra thousand bucks a month. So there, there's been just this, this big mindset shift that's, sure. that's happened, man. And I grew up in a, in a household, like I said, that was just completely average. You know, the standard that my dad raised me uh, was that I need to go to school and I need to be making $100,000 a year. So that, for me looking at somebody who was making $100,000 in a year. As far as I was concerned, that person and Donald Trump were in the same level. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like once you're making $100,000, yep. man, like you got, you got you're, unlimited you're money at that point. So that was the standard, right? Um, and so I, I planned on doing, you know, 20 years at the time. So this was something that was just completely out of the blue. Wasn't even on my radar. Wasn't even looking for it. But I, when I, once I caught it, man, like I knew that there was something there. The people that are doing those types of things, they're thinking differently. 
the conversations are a little bit different. One of the, one of the biggest things that actually impacted me in terms of just what you said, where money's like a, almost like a cuss word in in the household, right? Um, One of the biggest quotes that still stick with me today is think like a rich person. And in terms of when you're going out to eat, tip like a rich person, even if you're not a rich person, because that's, what's going to change your mindset. If you think I'm going to tip this waiter or waitress $50 or 50% of my, my, whatever my ticket or whatever it's called, even if you don't have the money, but you still do that, you set yourself up for success. Ultimately, if that's the mindset shift that you're looking for. So that's something that's always stick with me is think like a rich person, act like a rich person, even if you're not a rich person, because like you said, making a thousand dollars in a week now with your mindset, it's so much easier than it is because saving money nowadays is we all know with inflation and everything, it's brutal. So making that extra thousand dollars a week or 2000, 5,000, 10,000, it's so much easier if you have the right mindset and the right action steps to do so. So that's awesome. Tanner, that's good insight. I love what you said, bro. I love what you said. That is so neat. I've actually never had a conversation specifically like about tipping with anybody before, but I think that plays um, so much into, you know, having an abundance mindset. I love that you said that. And one of the things that um, I started doing specifically, like when it came to tipping, like I would go into it with a mindset of, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tip a dollar more than whatever I would. I would just start tipping more. And then now it's at a point to where I'm tipping 20% for shitty service. Yeah. If I get shitty service, they're only getting 20%. Sure. You know, so that's, that's kind of that, that mindset shift that, um, that has developed, man. But, uh, yeah, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, dude. I love that. I love what you said. Yeah. Cause I think it's important too, whenever you think like that and you act like that, cause that's what I, like, as soon as I heard that quote, I literally started doing that. I was like, when I was first getting into entrepreneurship, getting into real estate, I literally started tipping way more than I normally did in the past, but normally then honestly, I probably could have afforded at the time. But I knew if I put myself in that position where it's like, okay, I'm spending more money really than I know I have, or I should be. I know I have to work harder. So it almost kicked my kicked me into gear to forcing me to like, if I'm going to act like a rich person, I damn sure have to perform like a rich person. And that's kind of a mindset shift that helped me change the way I think and the way I do business now. So um, again, the, the whole money thing, like you said, where it's like, it's almost like a cuss word. It's, that was good. That was awesome. Thanks. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. It's, it's been, um, it's been an interesting avenue because a lot of people that I used to work with, especially in the military, they're under that same mindset, you know, they, they, and there's, I, I loved my time in the military. I would never, never, you know, go against the military. I, I, everything I am, um, you know, is because of the military. I, I owe uh, all the experience and, and everything that I've been able to do, the life experience, the world experience. Um, and, uh, I, I owe all of that to the, the military, you know, and, and in order to be cognizant that there's a mindset change even going on, you can't do that without having had that, that experience first. You know, it's kind of interesting, man, because I went to I went to a friend's retirement ceremony back. In, it was a year ago in last November, November 21, flew out to North Carolina for a friend who was retiring from the, the Air Force. He asked me to speak at it. And so I went down there and we, we hung out for maybe, I don't know, maybe about four or five days or so. And his parents had like a, a beach on or I'm sorry, a, a, well, I guess it was a beach house on Carolina Beach. So we went down there and we're just kind of hanging out, you know, reminiscing and, and, uh, just talking about the next chapter of his life, you know, and there was a couple of the people that we, you know, we all used to work together. Um, and we're just kind of sitting there talking about, you know, the good old days and who we used to work with, you know, 10 years ago. And we're kind of just reliving that past. And when I, I wanted to share with them kind of what I've been up to and, 
um, you know, they, uh, they didn't see it that way. They didn't see it that way. They were so stuck and just, they were complete. He was, I don't know if you'd necessarily say complaining, but like he wasn't excited about the next chapter of his life. And and he wasn't being fulfilled from my perception in that next chapter after his retirement, you know, it was just kind of like, this is what I was raised and told to do. Right. So do you see how important is it to, to you then, um, that since you've kind of recognized that, um, cause I think I can probably speak for Eichmann as well. Cause I know I've had this, these talks with Eichmann, but surrounding yourself with people, um, that not only align with your goals and your vision and whatever it is, but how important do you think personally for you, it was to not only recognize that, but, you know, kind of align yourself with people that have the same visions and like, Hey, if I want to make a hundred thousand dollars, if I want to make $500,000 this year, I need to set myself up and surround myself with people like that and not so close-minded because again, I think all of us can speak for, we have friends, lifelong friends that we grew up with or whatever, that they're stuck in like a, a W2 mm-hmm. or, Hey, if I just make 80,000 for my company this year, I'm happy. I don't care. But as entrepreneurs, we're always looking to elevate and level up our game and level up who are we're associated with, right? Cause your network is your network. So, I, I mean, I really want to ask how important is it to you since you recognize that? Um, did you take action and actually try to surround yourself with more people that are in, in your class in terms of where your mindset and where your head's at? Um, so I'd love to hear more about that and the people that, you know, you're associated with now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Great, great question. Fantastic question. It was it was the first time since I had started this endeavor, the first time. Um, that I had actually like realized like, oh my gosh, Jesse, like you're, you've grown, you're no longer that same person. Cause traditionally, you know, we would have sit back and just, you know, drank and smoked stogies and, and, uh, you know, talk shit on people that we used to work with. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke and, and, uh, you know, I don't criticize, condemn or complain, you know, that's not just, it's not who I am. And, uh, I love that. It was, have you always been that way? In terms of what? A person who doesn't criticize, condemn, or complain. Yeah, for the most part. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I used to, you know, I mean, maybe you guys don't know, but uh, this isn't necessarily something that's specifically tied to the military. But if somebody somebody got in trouble because maintenance on the aircraft wasn't right, you know, the word kind of gets around the shop and you're like, man, what an idiot. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I, I don't even, I don't even, yeah, it's not even on my freaking radar anymore, man. I, I purposefully will, um, go out of my way to not be even surrounded by that type of conversation anymore. So I, 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 I love what you said, Tanner, cause it's, it's, it's non-negotiable so much so that we've taken it to an entirely new level to where we have designated 30 to 40 hours a week. Okay. Let me repeat that 30 to 40 hours a week. That's a full-time job <laughs> with just expanding our network and having these types of conversations with other people that are looking to do the same thing that we're doing or people who are already, uh, you know, in a position where we want to be. So that's, I'm, I'm doing nothing else in my business, but 30, 40 hours just for like one-on-one conversations. And how, so how that doesn't include everything else, you know, how you the the in, in your business, bigger part from starting to do the 30 to 40 hours a week of, of basically this type of thing. Have you seen a lot of growth from it or like what's the, Oh my gosh, Tanner, let me, let me, let me, um, let me tell you a story real quick, bro. It's brought in so much, so much light to, um, 
to what I was doing wrong and how I could have done things better. I've been way more intentional with my time in that regard as well. So I had another epiphany. We went camping all, we went camping and fishing this entire summer. It was absolutely amazing. We we're all over, uh, South, uh, central Alaska. And we went down to Homer. Now Homer is a, is a big fishing town. It's the halibut capital, you know, fishing of the world. Uh, and we were down there for a couple of days for the 4th of July. And I took my son and my daughter down to the water to go fishing. And Tanner, I, I'm sure you already know by now, you don't talk with Aisham, you know, during the summer, the sun doesn't go down. It's yeah. up basically all night long. It's freaking dope. So we were down there fishing maybe till about 10 or 11 o'clock at night with just me, me, my son and my daughter. And we're walking back to the camper. And there's these three older gentlemen, probably in their seventies that are parked right next to us. And I, they, they kind of motion me to come over. And so I, I go ahead and send my, my son and my daughter into the camper to go shower and get ready for bed. And they're, you know, just asking how the fishing and all these other kind of things were. And long story short, dude, like we, um, we ended up talking out there for about three hours. Okay. And they were talking about politics. Mm-hmm. They were bitching about the state of the country, about politics, about gas prices. And Tanner, I had an epiphany. I'm like, bro, this is how average people spend their time. Mm. Yep. And I, while I was down there, that same trip, I went, met up with another investor. And within 30 minutes of us having a conversation, we the the they have a, a theater like a like an actual movie theater down in Homer that hasn't been it has been they've been trying to the owners have been trying to sell it for like six or seven years I'm, I've been told, and so naturally I went down there had the manager walk me through it and I wanted to understand it and I I was trying to figure out how I could creatively structure this so I could buy this movie theater this all happened within a, a thirty minute conversation with another investor down there. That's insane. So we're sitting here talking about making money. And doing these moves and doing all these other kind of things, and everybody else will will spend three hours bitching and complaining about politics. Yep, it's how people spend their time. I love how you said that's how average people like that's that's how average people think, and that's what they watch, and that's what they do. And you get drowned by almost all the negativity that are in not only the news or politics, but just in really in TV in general. Because guess what, most commercials are sad fucking commercials, right? There's absolutely sad dogs or, but specifically politics, they just, they fight and beat each other um, to the pulp and they just talk and talk and talk. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a killer, man. It's a, uh, it's a killer for a lot of people. hundred um, oh, percent, bro. So did you end up doing anything with that movie theater or what, what's the story? Uh, I'm still, still trying to figure it out. Still, still trying, trying to figure, figure it out. out. Yeah. Yeah. This Very is, nice. this, yeah. Cause the owners kind of live in San Francisco. So Talk is kind of, you know, back and forth and it's been kind of mismanaged and all that the, the loan's not great on it and all this other kind of stuff. So we're still trying to figure out if we can do something with it. Um, what's your goal with me? If you get the movie theater, what's your goal with it? Turn it back into a movie theater? Oh, dude. Well, it still is a movie theater. Oh, we okay. actually went and so took my, my family while I was down there. We went, we went in there and watched uh, the Buzz, new Buzz Lightyear film while we were down there, man. Nice. It was kind of cool. It was very, um, it was very uh, um, antique. Is that the word? Sure. It was built yeah. in like the, the 50s or something like that, I think. So. It was, it was kind of neat. It was super cool. cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to put maybe a couple short-term Airbnbs or something on there and give two free movie tickets. Oh, that'd be um, sweet. But one thing I found out, I mean, I, I would assume, you know, I, I think I kind of knew, and probably everybody does, you know, that when you go to the movie theaters, you got to have 100 bucks just for 
just for, you know, soda and popcorn. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, that's where I, I learned that that's an actual fact that that's where the movie theater makes all their money. It's not off the movies. It's all on concessions. Concessions, yeah. And so I thought, man, how awesome would it be to put a couple Airbnbs, you know, maybe even in the theater because they have a whole upstairs area. I mean, that'd be cool, man. I'd go freaking be, stay at a movie nice. theater. Right? Yeah. So maybe a couple, uh, uh, you know, small structures out in the parking lot or something like that. And maybe an Airbnb in there with, you know, free movie tickets and things like that. So now I'm getting, now I'm winning on the real estate side and with more people, you know, uh, buying concessions. So, um, I don't know. That's kind of, that, that was kind of my thoughts. I guess we'll kind of see how it plays out though. It's pretty cool. It's unique. That's the cool thing about real estate though, right? Is it's kind of, there's so many options. It's fun. It's, it's, you're a kid it is, bro. when you're an it investor, is. You don't look at it like the average person looks at it. Oh, 20% down, go get a loan from a bank, buy a property and blah, blah, blah. But when you're an investor and you've been in the game, you get you understand that there's so many different things you can do with a piece of property. And that's the fun part of real estate investing that not not the average person sees. Maybe not even the average investor, right? Because they oh yeah, they either think fix and flip, long-term rental, or even just an Airbnb. But who who the hell would have thought? Hmm, I want to stick an Airbnb in the movie theater, give them free tickets or blah, 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 blah. Like that's a cool thing. But let me kind of move over real quick. So since this is a wholesaling podcast as well, mm-hmm. tell us about your wholesaling business. Uh, you know, how long ago did you do your first deal and, and along those lines? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, fantastic. Fantastic um, question. We started, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I kind of started off wholesaling. I think probably like, like most people did, you know, um, you know, you want to kind of uh, build up some capital before you start buying. That was before I started learning, you know, started learning about, you know, diving into creative finance and using other people's money and all that other kind of stuff, which is a whole nother conversation. But um, we, you know, we do wholesale a lot of creative deals as well. Uh, actually just in the, it, so I guess to bridge that gap real quick between your previous question, like, um, how how intentional have I been with our with my time in, in terms of talking with people and how has that impacted my business? Um, everything that we've talked up we've talked about up to this point has kind of culminated into this big thing. So I've I've I, like I said I've been doing this for a couple of years now, but I went to a mastermind back in March of this year, earlier this year, down in Phoenix, and I I heard I heard a. Uh, it was, you guys know Pace Morby. Oh, yeah. It was his mastermind, a mastermind student of Pace's. And he said something to me that just resonated with me. It really unlocked something like in my brain of how I think about things. And um, let me share it with you guys. I took a bunch of notes while I was there. But this is the one of the first things that he said, man. And it's not something that's necessarily like so prophetic. You know, it wasn't like Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments <laughs> prophetic. You know what I mean? But it was, it was kind of up there. But it's... He said, Jesse, it's not who you think you are that's holding you back. Okay, it's not all the money you make. It's not the legacy you want to create. It's not the communities that you want to impact. It's not the kids' schools that you want to help. It's not the, the you know, your, your church that you want to help out. It's not sending missionaries out. It's not, you know, doing all these things. That's not, that's not what's holding you back. Who you think you are. That's not what's holding you back. It's powerful. What's holding you back is who you think you are not. Ooh. Ooh. Go, go into, it's not go who into you that. think you are that's holding you back. Do you want to go and do all these things? That's not what's holding you back, bro. That's not the problem. 
It's who you think you are not. If you don't think you're the type of person who can go in and just make another six figures, seven figures, if you're not the type of person who thinks that you can go on stage and you know speak in front of a several thousand people or whatever that is, that's the type of shit that's holding you back. That's it's, the difference. It's almost the fear of being successful. Say that again. It's that it's almost the fear of being successful is essentially what you're saying. If you like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get yeah. more into this. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're essentially saying it's who you think, who you think you could be essentially, but you're almost scared that to face that, yeah. to face that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the fear of being successful. That's what holds you back. I think there's a lot that ties into that, but I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. I think there's, yeah. for a lot of people, it depends on that person, you know, in, imposter syndrome, um, you know, people who don't feel like they're worthy enough, people who feel like they, they don't bring value to anybody. I've talked to so many new um, people who want to get into real estate and they're like, well, why would I go, why would I go ask this person? Because I, I don't bring any value. I'm like, bro, you don't bring any value. Are you shitting me right now? <laughs> right. No that's that's the type of stuff that's holding you back man because that. contrary contrary so to how i grew up and and maybe you guys uh grew up similarly you know the people that are above you they're not judging you they're they're legit giving you a hand down to pull your ass up yes everybody else who criticizes you is everybody else that's down here crabs in a bucket it. dude 100 the crabs in the bucket I love that. That's wild. I, it, when someone like Jesse comes on, I have my notebook here and ready. And it's funny, <laughs> as you guys were talking about all that, I literally wrote down fear of failure versus fear of success. And the reason why I wrote that down was an old mentor of, of mine would, would say this a lot. And I don't know how accurate this is, but I love the idea of it. And I think it aligns perfectly with what you said, Jesse. Is he, he said, most people aren't afraid of failure. He's like, there's this stupid thing out there that, that people are afraid of failure. He's like, failure is easy. Failure is easy as shit. I can show you a million <laughs> things that people have failed at. Everyone fails. Failure is easy. No one's afraid of failure. What uh -oh. people are really afraid of is their success. They're afraid to face that that success. What are my parents going to think about me? What are my friends going to think about me? You know, what am I, you know, who, who am I going to have to become to become this person? I think that's ultimately what people truly are uh, fearful of in the beginning. And when you can cross over that, then man, the world's your oyster. And that's what this, this, that's what I'm hoping, you know, we can do with this podcast is get people to recognize that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I, I think you guys are doing a fantastic job of it, man. That, um, I, I, I love what you said there, dude. I, I think you're absolutely right. And that's why I think mindset just plays such a huge part in this. You know, we're my, my partner and I were doing, we're, we're leaders in, in a, a challenge right now in our community called the elephant challenge. And it's called mm -hmm. the elephant challenge because it's, you know, getting into real estate, kind of like you said, Tanner, like, um, the wonderful thing about real estate is you can be successful in so many faucets, like it's incredible, but I think it's a double-edged sword there because, um, the problem with real estate is there are too many ways to be successful yep. and people don't know which avenue yep. to go down. Right. That's cool. So real estate in and of itself is kind of like this elephant, right? But how do you eat an elephant? One, bite, bite, at <laughs> One bite at a time, bro. Yeah. So we got this thing called the elephant challenge, um, right now that, uh, my partner and I are, are leaders. in. I think there's, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, ballpark, maybe somewhere between like 4,500 to 6,000 people or something or the, the, that's enrolled in. So it's this 
big nationwide thing, man. Um, but it has been phenomenal to be a part of and, and, uh, you know, to see where everybody is and just to see the amount of growth, not even monetarily speaking, just the amount of growth that you've made, because it wasn't too long ago before I was in their position, you know, and I think, uh, mindset has everything to do with it. And, and you guys just hit the nail on the head, you know, things like, what are my, what's my family going to say? What are my coworkers going to say? Hmm. That was huge for me. I had to go through that stuff. And that's that, you know, it, it's, it's not only what are they going to say to me, you know, the thought just doesn't stop there, right? Like it has this compounding thing. You start thinking like, all right, well, what is my family going to think? And then you start judging yourself. Am I even the person that's capable of doing this? You know, should I, should I, am I doing this wrong? Like, should I, should I just stay in the air force and retire at 20 years and have this just comfortable life? Right. Yeah. It's a self doubt that really kills a lot of people too. It's the, it's not only the fear of what people are going to think, but it's the fear that you, it's like you already doubt yourself, which is holding you back because you're scared of criticism from others or criticism from what other people are going to think. So I wanted to ask you though, since, since you're working with, you know, with the elephant challenge and so many people, um, you obviously run into a lot of new people looking to get into, you know, real estate investing, wholesaling. What's the biggest, like, you know, commonality between someone that's new, um, Mm -hmm. rather than someone in your position, um, you know, some advice for someone that's new getting into the business, like a, a mindset thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest themes to include myself and my partners and probably a lot of people who get started in real estate is they think they have to do and they have to understand the entire process from A to Z. But what they don't understand is you can't learn how to drive a parked car. Mm. Mm. You have to just go out and you have to take action. And one of the biggest things to tie this back in um, with, with your question, like how are we doing in, in real estate? There's a, there's a concept, there's a book called Who Not How. And my entire business was built off of the premise of that book. And it's basically the, the premise of you don't have to know the entire process. All you have to know is the who that does. Mm. And so I was trying to explain this um, last Saturday when we had our last Elephant Challenge meeting. Um, we have them every Saturdays or every Saturday. And maybe about the first, maybe maybe the first half, I usually spend just talking about mindset so everything that we're going to talk to uh, or we're going to talk about after that, they have a complete understanding of where they, they need to, of how they need to process that information. And so to answer your question, I, I kind of articulated that with, with this metaphor. I asked a young lady, I said, hey, what was your worst subject in high school? And the young lady said, math. And I said, oh my gosh, okay, that's cool. Cause I hate Matt Tanner. You hate Matt. Preach. Math is my Achilles heel, bro. Preach. I hate Matt. Yep. Somebody else, when I asked that, somebody jumped into the comments and he was like, I love math. I'm like, okay, cool. His name was Al. And so <laughs> I said, Al. Yeah, his name was Al. Seems like a And math so guy. I asked, uh, her, I think the young lady I was talking, talking to, I think her name was Elizabeth. So I, I asked Elizabeth, I said, Elizabeth, this is how business is. Okay. And this is where a lot of new people get this wrong. They think they have to know everything. So going back to high school, for example, let's say that you go to, you go to your math class and you're sitting there and then your teacher hands you math homework says, Hey, this is due tomorrow. What if you just took that math homework 
And this was not illegal. This was not cheating. This was not unethical. And you just give that math homework over to Al and say, hey, Al, do my math homework. And then because Al is super good at math, he does it and you're going to get 100. Right. And now you're sitting at a 4.0 and you didn't even have to know math. Right. All you had to know was the who that did. And then I love English. And I said, Elizabeth, I love English. That's my jam. I said, give me your English homework. But here's the thing. Most people who, who get into real estate, they see all the stuff on TikTok and Instagram, the guys with the Lamborghinis and things like that. I would probably say nine out of 10 people are more curious than they actually are committed. They won't stay consistent mm. with it. But I told Elizabeth, I said, look, all you need to do is show up to class. It's the most basic thing. You got all these people that want to go out and make millions and billions of dollars, but they won't even show up to class. I said, mm. look, I can show you how to find a deal and how to comp it. If you can go and do that and you can put five offers in every single day, that may take you, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, two, two, maybe three hours at the most. Three hours out of an entire day. If you can take three hours and just stay consistent with those three hours, guess what? That's the equivalent of you just going to class, just show up. And then when your teacher hands you your math homework, that's, that's like a seller saying, hey, yeah, I'm wanting to sell. Then guess what? That's now your homework. Your, your, your seller says, hey, I want to sell. Boom. Teacher's handing you your math homework. And you just say, hey, Jesse, I don't know what to do with my hands right now, but here's my homework. <laughs> and then you focus on that one thing, Elizabeth. You become a freaking monster at that one thing. You go, get, you go be the Michael Jordan of finding and comping properties. Hmm. And let me do your math homework. My partner, or, or you know, let me do your English homework and my partner can do your math homework. That's and let's work these dull. things together. So that's the premise of who, not how. I don't, I don't, I don't have, that's why I have business partners. Because I brought other people into my business to facilitate these other parts that either I'm not good at or is just not a good use of my time. I hate math. I will hand that off to my partner every single time somebody hands me math homework. Dude, you're so speaking I get to volumes. go out and just be Jesse. And then we hand, we just hand it off. We just hand it off. And there's that trust there. There's that bond there that I know they're going to take it to the finish line and I'm going to do my part. They do their part. We keep each other's hands out of each other's cookie jars. Now, going back a little bit, we, I, I went to that mastermind in March. That's also where I met my business partner. In April, we started talking about, hey, let's start a business. Let's get together. And so for April and May of this year, that's when we started talking about, you know, what do we want our business to look like? Who's going to do what? What are the roles? Um, et cetera, et cetera. And then we officially went live with it on June 1st. Okay. So we started a brand new business June 1st. In August, two months later, we made more that month than I had made in a year of wow. being in the Air Force. We did more even last month, and it's only the 11th of this month so far, and we will do more than even that. I love it. All because of who, not how. Incredible. It's because of that entire concept. I don't have to know the entire process. I don't want to know that entire process. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to negotiating with sellers, when it comes to communicating, building relationships, all these other kind of things, I think of myself as the Michael Jordan in that role. 
and I will do whatever it takes. I will, I will stay more consistent than anybody else. You cannot compete with me when it comes to that. So I'm spending every spare, like I, I've, I've gotten to the point now to where I time block my entire day. I get up at three in the morning. I have a zoom meeting at 8 AM Eastern time, which is 4 AM here. And you know, we had those same, we, we had the, the same zoom meetings uh, set aside. Cause like I said, we got 30, 40 hours a week that we have zoom meetings, one-on-ones with people um, that are throughout the day. So even when it comes down to like posting on Facebook, a stupid post on Facebook that is time blocked into my day. I don't do anything for those 30 minutes or 60 minutes or however long it is, depending on if I'm creating content or whatever it is that's designated just for posting on Facebook, just so I can stay consistent. Hmm. So it may seem like Jesse's posting a lot, but it's not. It's the same thing every single day. I'm just consistent with it. I've read 28 books so far this year, and I only read 20 to 30 minutes a day. That's it. But I do it every single day. Incredible. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Incredible. Man, dude. Woo! <laughs> You're dropping dimes, bro. Um, man, that, that, that's such good stuff. I want to go so deep on, on, on a lot of these topics of, you know, partnership and, and the challenge in your new company. But I guess, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back on again later to, to talk more about this stuff, but Absolutely. tell us a little bit about your it, company. What, what does your company do? Great question. So going back to, um, people who are just starting out in real estate, um, that's kind of what our company was, was based on. Um, again, going back to this who, not how concept. So we do negotiating. We can follow up. We do the entire, everything that's involved with the acquisition side. And then we've got a dispo side. So we have buyers literally in all 50 States. We, um, do the TC work, the transaction coordinating. Wow. Um, and then we have, uh, a bunch of lenders that work with us as well. So, and the reason we started this type of business model was because what we were seeing is, uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of businesses are ran uh, through Facebook. And so you're kind of at the mercy of like Facebook's algorithms on whether people are going to see it and the right person's going to see it and all these kind of things. So we would have people, we'd have people who they jump into real estate, maybe they pay for a mentorship or whatever that looks like, right? And they're kind of learning the basics. They're learning what a title company does. They're learning what a real estate agent does, all these other kind of things. And they're getting a basic understanding. And then they're learning, hey, when I talk to a seller, this is the information that I need to get. You know, maybe they hear a couple calls. They're just kind of getting this very basic knowledge, right? And so one of the big things I've been seeing over the last couple of years, especially with people that are just jumping in, is they finally talk to a seller and the seller says, hey, I'm interested in selling. So what do they do? They go back to Facebook and they're like, hey, I've got somebody who said they're interested in selling. I need somebody who can go in and close this. And so based on Facebook's algorithms, you're either going to get zero responses or you're going to have to filter through 500 responses. Yep, for sure. And it's got to be done in a timely manner, obviously, right? Speed to lead. So let's say you get somebody in there who can go in there and close it. Now let's say we need $2,500 in earnest money. Back to Facebook. Hey guys, I'm looking for a lender who can lend me $2,500 of earnest money for this deal. So let's say they get the lender now. Now it's, hey, I need somebody who can handle all the paperwork and who can be my transaction coordinator. Because that's a big thing that a lot of people are learning in this, in, in you know, the sub two community is you need to leverage all these other people, leverage that community. 
because a lot of people, they start getting into wholesaling. They'll spend, you know, 30, 40, 60 days, maybe even 90 days. They finally get their first deal in 90 days, let's say. And they get their first contract signed. And now they've got to go find a buyer, right? So let's say they go spend another 20 days finding a buyer. So now what are we at 80 days? And then we got another, you know, uh, three or four weeks till we close. So we're over three months now for that one deal. And that one deal, that one person was taken, it was taking up all of their time because they were right. doing everything. Right. And so now they get that one deal. We're four months down the road. They have nothing in their pipeline. Right. Yep. So now they got to go back to square one. So a lot in our community, people are learning to leverage the community, leverage other people. That way you can go focus and get more deals. So you need to, you need to, you need to go find somebody who can negotiate it, right? You need somebody to find who can, who can lock it up and then you need to find money. And then you need to find somebody who can handle all the paperwork so you can still continue going to find more deals, right? But then you need to find somebody who can dispo. Hmm. So even though you're going and you're utilizing all these other people and these concepts, people are constantly going back to Facebook. Yep. And when you do that, like I said, you're at the mercy of the, the algorithm. You're at the mercy of, you know, trying to build relationships on top of, you know, trying to get this deal done. So we, we thought, Hey, you know what, why don't we create like a one-stop shop that does everything and we'll bring the rock stars in each part to partner with us. So now we've got a whole bunch of people like who want to lend, but they don't, you know, maybe they want some anonymity uh, to their name. So if somebody sure. comes to my business and say, Hey guys, I need $5,500 for transactional funding or earnest money or whatever it is, you know, we can turn around to our lenders and our lenders will wire money to the title company. That way that person doesn't, you know, they don't have to go, you don't have to feel like they're being hassled by everybody. Once people find out, Oh, this person's a lender. Hey, I need money. Hey, I need money. Hey, I yep. need money. We do all the vetting. We'll, uh, we'll underwrite the deal. I'm like, okay, this is a legit deal. Let's go find, let's go talk to one of our lenders, see if this would be a good fit for them. And then we do the same thing with, you know, like I said, the TC work. And then we have an entire acquisitions and a dispo side. So if somebody needs anything in any part of the deal, they can come to third mind REI and say, Hey, I just need you guys to handle the paperwork or, Hey, I need a buyer in Wasilla, Alaska. Or, Hey, I need you guys to follow up with this guy. This guy's motivated, but I have no idea what to do with my hands right now. So you guys kind of take over everything essentially. It's just, yeah, we can. We can either do the entire process or you can just kind of plug us in to facilitate, you know, one thing that needs to be done or whatever it is. Right. So someone can bring you a deal that, that they've already locked up and under contract. And you and if it you'll obviously, like you said, underwrite it and make sure it's a deal. But if that's the case, then you'll take over from that point. Mm-hmm. Now, those Correct. people, let's just say someone brings you a deal under contract, you vet it, underwrite it, it's a deal. Are they still a part of that process or are they, are they completely almost out of the equation now? It's like, here, here's our contract. You guys see it's a deal. Now, are they stepped back or do you keep them along the ride with you? Like, how does that work? Uh, it, it depends. Honestly, it's kind of up to them. There's a lot of people who want to be involved and kind of just learn the process. So we take them through that process. And I think communication is, is, is key. We're absolutely, you know, 100% transparent um, with them. So much so that we've created our landing page is on our website. Um, and so when they go to our website, they can be, they can register. So they kind of like create an account, so to speak. And anytime they go to our website at any point, let's say you, let's say Tanner, you say you submit me a lead. And then next week you're like, I, I, I want to know where my lead is. 
Because I think that's the frustrating thing about when yeah. you're JVing with a lot of other sure. people. You're like, well, I haven't heard anything yet. Like, what's going on? Do they call it? Do they follow up? Do we got contracts out? Do we got buyers? Like, what's going on? And so one of the things that we included, we tied our, our um, landing page, our website, to our CRM. Cool. So, Tanner, you can go to our website. You can log in, essentially, and it'll show you exactly where your lead is at. So you never have to wonder what's going on. Has this been moved? Is this being called? Like, what, what stage is it at? You can see, oh, it's at the title company right now. It's moving along. Or if people want to learn more about like how you know we pitch creative finance, whether to sellers or agents or whatever that conversation looks like, if we can, I, I don't promise anything because I'm kind of just at the mercy of you know the seller's time or the agent's time. Yep. So trying to coordinate something between three or four different people to have everybody hop on the phone just so they can hear how that conversation goes is kind of tedious. But if I can record it or whatever, you know, I'm happy to just kind of help accommodate and, and lead with value wherever I can. That is an incredible business model. I love that. Yeah, it really. Is. I love Thank yeah. You. Like farm to table. Or if you want <laughs> if you want to just come in and do a little bit in the middle or get our help with the TC side of things, um, you know, that's an option as well. That's brilliant, man. I I've seen your business, you know, obviously we're friends. Um, and I was like, man, that's awesome that, you know, Jesse's doing his thing, but I, I never knew the breakdown of how it works. And so hearing that I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll be reaching out and then definitely going to send some other people that I know that, that could use you guys as help, uh, your way. So guys, if you're, if you, I don't want to say if you're new into wholesaling, but if you're, if you're looking for help, I can like, and, and if you trust me, please trust that I trust Jesse. Like Jesse <laughs> is a stand up guy, like legit. So I know whoever you partner with is, is definitely going to be worth it, man. As we, as we land this plane and Jesse, again, thank you so much for your time. We, we still got a little bit more stuff to go, but I uh, just, just want to express some gratitude. Um, th this is a new thing that we're doing. This is going to be fun. So it's a, a new little segment that we're uh -oh. calling. Yeah. Me off guard here. I like it. Dude, dude, this is good. No, it's just fun. It's a fun little word association. Mm -hmm. It's a segment that we call good one. And oh, so awesome. what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read off just some kind of random words. And okay. I want you to give me a one to two word response mm. for, uh, for your feedback on that. After that, a couple more questions and then we'll, uh, we'll cut everyone loose. So here Sounds we go. Good, ready? Bro. ready for, I'm ready, bro. Let's do good it. One. Well, this is where we need our little intro button and like some dancers to come across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So here we go. All right. One to two word responses. Here we go. Okay. First word. Wholesale. Uh just what like whatever is off the top of my head, or yeah, is, this, is, it like, head. is this like the is this the it's supposed to be like quick or like just methodical? For, Dude, first, if you want if you want to think of, Yeah, what? first thing that pops in your head. First thing that pops in your head. Money. Real estate. Money. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Cereal. Breakfast. Music. My life. Ah, boy. Relationships. My wife. Hmm, good one. Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> random. Totally random. Oh, man. Somewhere I will never go. Um, it's, it's, it's home, but I will never move back. I home. <laughs> so that's too many words we'll take home, take home. Uh, <laughs> moose moose uh dinner <laughs> love it god the center mm. military my second wife nice <laughs> <laughs> that's so true uh energy <laughs> 
Jesse. There you go. Overthinking. Been there. Mm. Image. Positive. Happiness. A staple. I love it. A staple. I'm always fascinated by what a people. Happiness is it. That's it. That that's the end of our. Oh uh, man! Our, All our right. Great All right. You're getting into this, huh? We should make it longer, Dan. Um, that's a, a, a staple. I like that, dude. Well, dude, as we land this plane, a couple more questions just to kind of put a bow on this. I, I wanted to ask you, what's uh, what's one of the greatest lessons that you've learned so far in real estate? To fail. Mm. I'm always looking to fail. As a matter of fact, it's gotten to a point now to where I actually posted on Facebook. I posted in a couple of the groups that I'm in. I'm like, man, I'm getting, I'm getting like, I want to hear about like what you guys are failing. What'd you guys fail at this week? Just to give me some ideas because I want to find out what it is you're failing at. So I can go make myself uncomfortable and try, try to fail at it. Because there's a fine line here. I think between most people who are going to get into real estate and just use real estate as an example, literally could be anything, call it sports, call it, you know, whatever. But since we're talking about real estate, there's most people who will get into real estate will never be the Grant Cardones. They will never mm-hmm. be the Pace Morbys. They will never be the Jamil Damjis. The ones that do are the ones who embrace failure. The ones that do understand that there, there's a fine line, okay? And everybody below that line, when you practice something, when you whether it's learning a new skill, whether it's learning how to communicate better, uh, whether it's learning how to ride a bike, whether that whatever it is, a new hobby, most people will do it until they get it right. Would you guys agree with that? 100%. Absolutely. They do it until Absolutely. they get it right. The Jamil Damjis, the Pace Morbys, the Grant Cardones, they do it until they can't get it wrong. Mm. The, bike, the, the bike is a per- the perfect analogy for all of that, right? When Gosh, you're learning to ride a bike, you keep riding and riding and riding until you fail. And guess what? If you get on the first, if your first bike ride and you don't put padding on and you fail and you get hurt, well, guess what? Most people would be scared to get back on the bike, but the Jamils, the paces would either put padding on and get back on the bike and keep trying or no padding and whatever, say F it. I'm going to get back on the bike regardless until they learn how to ride. Absolutely. So the bike's the perfect, perfect analogy. And there's really not a better one, in my opinion, um, now that you brought that to my attention. Yeah. I I wish I would have thought about, you know, failure a little bit differently. If I could go back, you know, there's so many different things I would do. Obviously I'm sure you guys are probably the same, but, um, you guys ever seen the movie groundhog day with Bill Murray? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Here's how a lot of people, a lot of people like, um, that, that's how I look at failure, man. Like the first couple days he's doing the same things, right? He's trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to get his, 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 uh, his balance, so to speak. He's stepping in the same pothole that's filled with water. He's getting slapped <laughs> by the same girl or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But that's, that's, that's what it's like starting a new business. And most people don't like that. Mm-hmm. But what does Bill Murray do? As time goes on, he starts having fun with it, man. Mm-hmm. Right? Knowing full and Knowing well that he's going to have the same freaking 24 hours the next day to do it differently, to do it better. everybody has the same 24 hours the next day to literally do it better. How do you not have a conversation with somebody get uncomfortable, F it up, go back. It's almost like, have you guys ever gotten into an argument with somebody 
and they got like the best of you and you're on your drive home and you're just doing <laughs> about it and you're like that son of a bitch yeah but then but then all of a sudden because you're thinking about it you have an epiphany right and you're like i should have said that should have said that yep. <laughs> yep. same thing man like if you want to be a better negotiator record your phone calls hmm. go back take notes and think about it stew on it oh well that's what i could have said I read this in this book. This would be a perfect line for that. We practice it until we can't get it wrong because we have the same 24 hours the next day to do it better, to be 1% better. We get the same 24 hours, man. That's how I look at it. If I would have looked at failure from that standpoint, I think I would have saved myself a lot of, um, you know, mindset issues of thinking, you know, of, you know, self-doubt. Jesse, what are you doing? Who are you kidding? You're just some dumb bum from freaking Idaho. Right. Hmm. What are, you're not, you're not going to make a million dollars. What are you doing, man? You can't even have a conversation with somebody. Do you think you know, it takes a lot for a person to acknowledge that they need to fail in order to grow? Because I, I feel like I a lot of people, like you said, that get into this business, you know, they see the TikToks and they see, oh, get rich quick. 30 days, you can make 10K, blah, 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 blah. They don't, they don't understand that this business is a, it's a, it's a grind. Like anytime yeah. I talk to a new, whole, new wholesaler and you know, they, they come at you the first day, they're energetic, they're ready to go. They're pumped up 30 days later, you talk to them and you can tell the tonality in their voice is a little down and Tanner, what am I doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. But they just did not expect to get punched in the face every single day, but that's what it takes. And so just again, Everything you have said this entire episode has just been absolute gold, by the way. It has been <laughs> phenomenal. I appreciate that. It's come, it's come from years of failure, bro. Bro, when's your next TED Talk? God. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for real. Good. You, my friend, are the master of analogies. I, I love a good analogy. I, I think there's no more clear way to paint a picture for someone than, than to put it in, you know, in terms of an analogy that, that they can comprehend and visualize. I'm very visual. Thank you, bro. And Thank you. I, I, I read books about that, man. I read books about storytelling so I can get, I can get better at ter- telling stories and articulating things. And it helps me not only obviously when I'm communicating with, you know, other investors or whatever, you know, even my business partners, if I'm trying to create or communicate an idea or I'm trying to negotiate with a seller, you know, I, I try to use those analogies while I'm on the phone with them as well. So they kind of understand um, a little more clearly from, from my perspective as well and why it's working or why it's not working or whatever that looks like. So, well, but, it's incredible, um, man. I mean, thank it's you. incredible to, to practice really until you that. can't get it wrong. That that's brilliant. I love that. That's my big takeaway from this show. And my, my final question for you is Jesse, what is your message to the world? My message to the world, man, you put yeah, me on spot. I don't think yeah. anybody's ever asked me that my message Bro. to the world, man. Um, Man, shoot! I wish I would have wish I would have prepared something for that one. Um, you know, I that's that's a good question, man. That's a good question. I I um, hmm. My message to the world, dude. That's such a fantastic question. I got so many things going through my my mind right now. Um, but I think the big the big takeaway, man, for for me. You know, I think it's the reason why I started getting into real estate. It was on top of all of the the things, right? On top of all of the the self-doubt. The, hey, I, I don't even have money. You're in the military. What are you doing? You don't have money. You're an average, you were an average student. 
you're not smart. And there's one thing that there's two thoughts that I had. And one of them was something my dad told me a long time ago. He said, he said, Jesse, you're not better than anybody else. And he paused. I'm kind of sitting there like, okay, (laughs) thanks dad. (laughs) (laughs) But then he said, you know what? Nobody's better than you. Mm. And so when you look at all these people that are, that are doing all these big things, the things that I want to do, things that you want to do. And when I was filled with all this, just self doubt, I, I, I thought of what my dad said. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe I can't, but what if I could, what if I could do it? What would that look like? What would my, what would my family's life be like? If I could get out from underneath TDYs and deployments and shift changes and constantly moving around the country and create a life where I get to live where I want to and not where my income tells me where I have to be. Hmm. What, what if I could? So I guess my message to the world be whatever it is that you're wanting to do, you know, what if you could? What if you could? What if you could? I like that. I like that brother, my brother. I'll write that down later. Ah, man. What if you could, I like that, Jesse. That's good. Well, dude, I, uh, I'm, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for, for your time. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. The way I feel how, how fortunate people are to have, you know, Pace and Brent and, and Jamil and those, those juggernauts, the trainer, brother, all these guys in Arizona is the same way I feel about being here in Alaska with you, bro. Like you're right over there. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that's super cool, man. I'm grateful, grateful for, you know, for meeting you, grateful for our friendship. And I look forward to a, a, a real long one, my man. Um, dude, how, so third mind, third mind REI is third spelled, uh, T H I R D three R D. How can people yeah, three, three, that? the number three R D yes, sir. Third mind REI. And then you are Jesse R Stanton all over the world, right? That's me, socials. bro. That's me. Awesome. Yep. Yep. All over the world. We're doing things all, all over the country, man. So all, awesome. all 50 States. Yep. Well, brother, yeah, thank but- you so much for your service. Uh, it's been an honor. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Tanner, you have anything you want to say? No, this has been, this has been awesome. This has been phenomenal. I really appreciate you guys. I'm very humbled and blessed and grateful for your time. I know you guys could be out doing so many other things, making money, talking to sellers, and you chose it to, to be here with me. And, and uh, I'm just honored and grateful for the opportunity to, to be here and spend some time with you guys. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I I sincerely appreciate it. Heck yeah, dude. The pleasure is mine. We're going to wrap this thing up and go do some deals. So Jesse's good seeing you. Everyone stay tuned to the next episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. Take care, guys. Peace. What up, guys? Thank you for watching or listening to another episode. And look, here's the deal. If you got value out of today's episode, we kindly ask that you subscribe and like and get this bad boy going. And look, if you're in Florida, we're in Florida. That's our marketplace. And we want to help your deals get to the finish line. So if you got any deals that need help with Dispo, send us an email. We're at deals at unwindinvestments.com. You can also submit it via our property submission form online at unwindinvestments.com slash deals. 
And guys, we want you to be the next guest on our show. So get out there and hustle and grind and let's get to work. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.